The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, we've got Cody here with us now. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great today. Now, you've got a new book which is out on Kindle at the moment called Casualty. So can you just describe the basic plot and premise of that book for us, first of all? Um, well, the book is uh, the book is based off of actual events. Um, the first half of the book is all pretty much things that I regrettably did when I was younger. I was addicted to crystal meth from the time I was 15 until I was 21. Mm. And then the second part of the book is kind of, uh, is kind of a story that I tell to, you know, just be an interesting story. It's a little bit of both. Yeah. And do you find writing about real events easier than the fiction stuff or is the fiction stuff easier or is it kind of equal? I actually found the, uh, the real things to be a lot easier to write about. The first part of the book took about three months to get down on paper. And then the second part of the book, it's 400 pages long. And then the uh, second part of the book took the better part of three years to get down on paper, you know, because I wanted to tell a cohesive story. Yeah. And even though it's easier overall, the true stuff, because it's about your own addictions, is that still quite hard to kind of go back to and think about a lot? Um, A lot of the stuff is kind of hard to think about and go back to, particularly because of the emotions that it brings up. You know, I caused a lot of uh, I caused a lot of pain to a lot of people and a lot of uh, grief to my family. You know, I was I was a teenager when I was doing a lot of these things and they were the ones who really had to deal with the brunt of the consequences. But, you know, I served the jail time, but they're the ones who really were emotionally damaged by the things I was doing. So that was a little that was a little hard to dig up and to remember, you know, the way I made them feel back then. But um, it was kind of cathartic, actually, to be honest with you, to to do that. Yeah. And I suppose, in a way, writing books, which if somebody hasn't heard you talking just now, might just assume the whole thing is fiction. You can get away with talking about things because people might not realise it's your own experience, if you Mm -hmm. get what I mean. Like, it's sort of still anonymous, even though you're writing it. And that's why I changed the uh, I changed the names of the characters in the book. Like I'm I, I'm portrayed by a character named Jimmy. Um, 
there are other characters in the book that are relatively based on real people, particularly the parents. And, yeah. uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, even if the people out there don't know that it's, you know, most of this stuff is true, it still feels good to know that it was heard in the hopes of, you know, somebody who's also going through this will read it and say, wow, there is somebody out there who feels like I feel right now and who yeah. themselves feels heard because of reading what I wrote. Mm. And what made you want to do it half and half real in fiction rather than just doing all of it your real life story? Well, um, I, it was, uh, you say I had originally started writing the book as like a um, story of, like the story of my life and everything like that. And it, the story of my life is just so much longer than I could put into a book. You know, we're talking about a period of over six years here. And so, um, without giving away too much of the book, it, uh, it was a way to, and you know, you, because being addicted for six years, you go through periods of, man, I should really quit, man. I don't want to quit going back and forth and stuff. So it was just a way to kind of condense all that down mm -hmm. and also tell an interesting story that was yeah. inspired by one of my friends who was in the military and uh, really uh, gave up his life to serve this country. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I guess, do you find that having some parts of it that are fictional, that sort of helps it become a little bit more interesting if you've got an idea that didn't happen in real life, but you think would be good to include anyway? Um, yeah. And that's why, that's why I avoided, you know, putting based on a true story on the cover yeah. or putting something like that on the true cover, because all in all, I wanted to tell a good story that I felt would help somebody out there be an inspirational story, as well as a cautionary story to people yeah. without saying, Hey, look, this is what you're in for. If you don't stop, it's just a way to make people think and, you know, again, make them feel like they're not alone in this world. And there is somebody out there who at least has experienced some of the things that they're going through right now. Yeah. And I guess, to be honest, most things that say they're based on a true story, it's like, yeah, not really. So yeah. this is probably more true than a lot of things that claim to be true. And that's in the second part of the description I put, it's uh, inspired by actual events. I didn't want to yeah. say it's based on a true story, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because yeah. there, while there are elements of the story, like the whole first part of the book, it's a is a true story. Mm. Um, but the second part of the book isn't. So I called it, you know, this is a combination of true events as well as a good story to make people yeah. a good story for people to hear. And I think it's quite surprising how much of real life stuff can be used to inspire a book. Because sometimes I'll go and see a film and think, this is a bit far-fetched, and then look <laughs> it up after the film, and it turns out this story actually happened in real life. Yeah. So there's so much that is based on real life events that we don't even realise, I suppose, and much more is possible than we think. Absolutely. And that's, uh, that's, um, you know, all the comedians say that the greatest comedy comes from real life, the greatest oh, yeah. drama comes from real life, everything like that, you know, it's uh, like the movie Titanic, you know, it yeah. was the story of Jack and Rose, you know, it was based on the backdrop of true events. And that made the story all that more interesting and all that yeah. more involved and yeah. gave people somebody to be connected to in it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I agree about the comedy's funny when it's not intentional because people can spend hours crafting a joke and it still doesn't make you laugh as much as a guy falling off a chair. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather watch a fail video on YouTube rather than watch just some dude do stand up comedy that he just yeah. made up. You know? <laughs> For sure. And why particularly is the book called Casualty? Does medicalness become a major factor in the plot at all? Yeah. Um, there's actually quite a few casualties in the book. Um, uh, Casualty in America, I don't know how it is over in Britain, but in America, casualty is used to describe a wide variety of people, whether they are um, injured by something, whether they're killed by something. Yeah. Um, disabled veterans are casualties of war. People who don't survive an addiction are casualties of the drug war. And there are um, there's quite a bit of uh, sadness in this book that was difficult to write, and Casualty describes the vast majority of the characters. In this book. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's pretty much the same here. I think the word is slightly used less often. I mm. kind of associate it with Casualty as in the place you go to if you're involved in a serious injury, but I guess we would uh, say 5,000 casualties or something in an yeah. attack, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, if somebody loses a leg, you know, that's a yeah. casualty of the attacker. Yeah. So is this the first book you've ever written, or have you tried stuff before? This is the first book I've ever written. I actually, uh, I was in a, a relationship. I was engaged to a girl who was in a nursing school, Ooh. And we both worked full time and I was actually going to going to college for my bachelor's degree to get into law school. Yeah. And uh, she had a son. And with our schedule so crazy, I uh, with us both going to school and both working full time, nobody was actually able to spend time with him. And he started getting lonely. So I actually quit school. Wow. And uh, in between playing with him and stuff like that, I yeah. decided Oh, might as well do something else with my time when he's playing video games or something. And I just had this idea for this book and I began writing it and it, uh, it finally took shape. Mm. And did you do it all yourself or did you have to acquire or research maybe to get a little bit of help with how to structure a book? Because I don't know, maybe you're a lot better than me, but if I tried to write a book right now, I would be so lost. Well, I've always been a storyteller my whole life. I've always yeah. been able to, um, that's one thing, you know, I'm not the smartest guy, I'm not the strongest guy, but I, I've always been able to tell an engaging story. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't right Hold now. it in, hold on. And our current faves. In. Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. 
Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And uh, I wrote the book, um, all myself i did a little research um because one of the uh one of the characters ryan actually ends up going into the military and i regrettably never served because i um because of what i did in the book in the first part i was uh, i was precluded from joining the military so i had to talk to some of my friends who had served i had to do a little research on the internet to find out how to write that part of it Hmm. Um, as far as the book, I wrote it all myself and then I hired an independent editor just to make sure, you know, what she said, the voice and the narrative was all cohesive and it all sounded like a continuous story. Make sure all my commas were correct. Oh, yeah. And uh, then I hired a graphic designer to do the cover of the book Yeah. and use small business all the way around. Um, the editor was actually a British lady as well. Um, and she just came in and... Uh, you know, it, um, I have to admit that British people sure do have a lot better vocabulary and, uh, <laughs> and uh, sentence structuring than, uh, than a lot of Americans do. The way you talk is just very beautiful and flourishing. And I really appreciated the, the, the tint that she put on the book with some of the way that she switched the sentences around and stuff yeah. like that. Well, that's interesting, getting a British person to help with the book because there's different spellings that you guys mm-hmm. have for some words. So yeah. did she change them or put the British spelling in without realising that there's an American one? No, she actually, because there's a lot of informal language in the book, you know, it's uh, dealing with drug dealers in Las Vegas and stuff. So I wanted to make sure that she you know, if there was a better way to say something, she would text me and say, Hey, you know, I think this sentence would sound better this way. And I'd either say, yeah, go ahead. Or no, don't worry about it. But the spelling, she didn't really mess with Mm. just the uh, sentence structure and making sure all my commas and apostrophes and stuff were correct. Like, yeah, I guess there's no difference between America and here for that, because that would be rather odd. (laughs) 
And on the cover, I'm not really good at identifying American cities, but it looks quite distinctly to be Las Vegas. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, I was born in Nevada. Um, I lived in Las Vegas for most of my life. And Las Vegas is the setting of this novel, along with Indian Springs uh, State Penitentiary and uh, Kandahar, Afghanistan. Mm, yeah. So I guess it's already established the setting without even having yeah. to open the book absolutely yeah yeah so going right back to years ago now i suppose mm. what kind of led up to your addiction in the first place well um i was uh it's you know that same old story you know i didn't I did growing up, I was kind of different. I didn't really fit in with the athletic kids. I didn't really fit in with the theater kids. I didn't really fit in with anybody. Yeah. So eventually I found my niche falling in with um, dope fiends, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but um, the goth kids, you know, and it, don't let me paint them with a bad brush. Most of them are very good people, but yeah. a lot of them do do drugs. And I fell in, you know, started smoking pot at uh i started smoking cigarettes at 13 started smoking pot at 14 and then by 15 i was uh addicted as like a coping mechanism i guess you could say um because i just really never fit in with anybody yeah and you mentioned before that you had various points where you were like i need to quit but i don't want to how did you eventually quit what kind of made you not do it anymore i suppose i guess it was a preponderance of the events you know it uh as as you go on you know you can do one bad thing and then you can do another bad thing and eventually people start looking at them as individual events you know it starts becoming a pattern of behavior and uh i was uh you know, getting to the point where I was going to be facing some very serious prison time. And uh, the most thing, though, was um, I was in court one day. Yeah. And the judge, because in Las Vegas at that time, the jails, the whole city was very overpopulated. Mm. Um, the jails were especially overpopulated and they used to do what's called ORing, release you on your own recognizance. Unless you've committed a serious enough offense or a series of offenses and uh, one time the judge, instead, I had gotten OR'd every time. And one time the judge, the uh, prosecutor said, you know, we, we don't think you should let him out this time, judge. And my lawyer said, hey, you know, he won't do it again. And the judge looked at me and he looked at the prosecutor and he slammed his gavel down and said detained. Ooh. And I heard from the gallery, my mom just let out this unbelievable painful noise like it wasn't a scream it was it was almost like a howl of agony and uh it got to the point where i was just that was a real that was a real knife into me and it got to the point after a while that i was just sick of knowing that there were so many people in this world sad and it was all because of me and i changed my whole circle of friends i um, asked for help from everybody. I went to, I went to rehab again for the fourth time, but this time it actually took. And then I, uh, you know, I just, you, I just kept getting better at making better decisions, I guess you would say. Yeah. And 14 years clean now, that's quite an achievement. It's a long time. So congratulations. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. That's the greatest compliment you can give somebody. 
Yeah, well, I, I'm honoured to have made it, I guess. Um, where are we able to check out your book then, if we'd like to have a little flick through the pages? Well, it's available on Amazon Kindle right now. I signed it, I did self-publishing on it, so I uploaded it myself, and then you can click a box when you do that called Kindle Select, where anybody who has Kindle Unlimited, I guess, can download it for absolutely free. They can flip through the book. Um, you can download a free copy right now. The Kindle Select program lasts for 30 days from its publishing. Yeah. So after that, it'll be going on to all major platforms. But I thought that this was the best way to kind of get it out there and get it in people's hands right away. Yeah, absolutely. And just briefly, do you think you'll have even more books on the way after this one? Um, I've got a couple of interesting stories in my head. Um, but it was such it was it's it's. I'll be honest with you. I hate reading. <laughs> I hate reading. <laughs> I have never read a novel um, from cover to cover in my entire life. And uh, when I told my editor, Jesse, about that, she said that is so shocking because she used the word captivating to describe the story. That made me feel so good. Um, but I've actually never read a book. And this was a very, uh, a very, a very trying Thing to actually sit down and you know get to writing i would like yeah. to do it again but i just don't know for sure you know yeah i guess that's weird do you feel that now you've written your own book you might be more likely to want to read or is the desire still non-existent i really wish i did i mean it's there's so when you talk to people who read books they have such vivid imaginations and they're yeah. such interesting people and when I sit down to read a book, I'll be reading and I'll read a page and I'll read a page and then I'll sit there and I'll go, my mind was over here thinking about something else. Like I, I just, my mind wanders off when I'm reading yeah. a book and I just, I wish I could though, because it, it sounds like so much fun when people <laughs> describe how they do it. <laughs> you just have to wait until they make a movie of the book you want to read. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the only way I know what's happens in most books from the great Gatsby to, uh, yeah. To everything. Yeah, you can find out what happened in just an hour and a half rather than three days. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's I got stuff to do over here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. It's been great to have you here today. It's been a pleasure being here. You've been awesome and I really appreciate your time. The throbbing pulse of sound, the Toby Gribbon Show.